Yeah! Woo! Howdy, everybody. I'm Robert. And I'm Ira. This is Anti-Wave. Yes, it is. A podcast all about those sick movies that Hollywood just won't make. Oh, that's good, Robert. And the reason we're saying that is because this week we will be discussing... Contagion. Contagion. And our top five this week is... Matt Damon Matt movies. Damon movies. Yeah, what do you think about that? I like that a lot. I have a yeah. good list. Do you think we're going to overlap? Yeah, I do. Probably. I do. I think on yeah. two. I think on two or maybe even oh, three. Wow. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. Yeah. Um, our top five what? last week was what, Ira? Race movies. Race movies. And we got Racist? Some... Right. No, no, that's another kind of race movies. Uh... Actually, somebody <laughs> did say To Kill a Mockingbird and so on. But no, 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 no. We've got some really movies about races. Can I share a few with you? Uh-huh. Uh, this one person said, the world's fastest Indian. And then she wrote, which you haven't seen, duh. So I know you've seen that. You liked it a lot, right? I love that movie. She's been after me to see this movie. Days of Thunder. We already mentioned Ford versus Ferrari. Rush, The Great Race. She mentioned a few of our people, Robert, mentioned the movie Rad. Rad. Are you familiar with Rad? I I am familiar with it. I don't think I've seen it, but I know I haven't of it. Seen yeah. it. I haven't seen it. Another person wrote. Well, that's a, that's not surprising. You don't like movies. Well, I hate movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I don't like. I don't know why I'm doing this with you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know why. Um, someone mentioned it's a mad, 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 mad world, and I thought, well, is that a race? Because remember, we discussed that on a chase. Is it I a would chase? Say that's a and race. you know, it is. It is. It's a race to get to the big W to get the money at the end. And I that, think. I think if I remember correctly, that was part of the. My complaint last time is that yes. it was brought up as a chase movie. And yes. Went, it's not yes. a chase, it's a race. Robert, I listed that as a, as a chase movie, and you were not too happy with that. But it definitely is a race movie. Yeah. Hey, someone else mentioned Tulane Blacktop. Yeah, I that's never a good one. saw that. No, James Taylor was in mm-hmm. that film. James Taylor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Um, I never heard of a movie called yeah, Set. That, is that a, he's like, that's, not, that's a chase movie. Smokey and the Bandit. Well, this person not, were, it's not a race. Well, this person did write, racing versus the clock is still racing. Yeah. It's called the time trial. So he said... No, no, no. That's that's Cannonball Run. Yeah. The, the problem was they had to get money. They had to get beer back from Texarkana. That was yeah. uh, Smoking the Bandit. And they, he was trying to be the decoy so they could get the beer back to sell. That was the whole idea is that he would... He would run around and get the cops chasing him so that no one would be checking the truck. Uh. That was the idea. I love that you know the distinction between that, Smoking the Bandit, and Cannonball Run. Yeah, of course. You really know your movies. Hey, have you ever heard of a movie called Senna? S-E-N-N-A? Oh, yeah, the documentary. Yes. Yeah, and he wrote about the the world's greatest racer ever, mm-hmm. uh, Arlington Senna. Cool Runnings. Robert, we sh- I should have thought. I, sh- I love that film. Yeah. I love that film. And again, his number one, he put down Rad. And uh, I think I need to see that film, huh? Maybe. Yeah. So that's our listener's email. Oh, nice. Yeah. Hey, uh, man, I'm not feeling too hot right now. I'm feeling, I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm feeling kind of sad. Because, I've been feeling really sad lately, yeah. Oh? Because it have to do with the virus? No, I've just been feeling really kind of depressed and sad. Uh, do you want to tell us why? Well, I'm just, I've had the blues. You've got the blues? Yeah. Oh, buddy. Hey, what color are your shoes? Um, they're, they're like kind of an aqua, like seafoam. Robert, your yeah. library book is overdue. Did you pay your <laughs> dues? 
No, but I sure would like some news. Why don't you there you that? go. You know, all I have is this. This is just from last week, and you know how I don't let things go. And you're right. On Ocean's Eleven, which was, of course, directed by your boy. So to word. Who happened to direct the film we're going to be talking about. And I made a special point of watching the credit crawl at the end. Cinematography by Pete Peter Andrews. Andrews. Your boy. And, uh, That's, yeah. and did you see the editor as well? Mary... I did. What's her name? Brad, Bradford? I and you said the, that's his mom's name, right? Yeah, that's him yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I don't have anything else about in the news per se. Do well, there's not anything? been any news. All it's been is coronavirus. I know. How are you feeling, by the way? Uh, I'm feeling fine, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, now that Tom Hanks is back in America. Yeah. Uh, so we got that going on. We, we got our Tom back, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, speaking of news, did you hear that uh, Harvey Weinstein... You know, they're using this coronavirus stuff to kind of delay his L.A. trial. So trying to keep in the news there, that, that's related to coronavirus and Harvey Weinstein. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. I, I saw in more news reports about the uh, the Academy. They are indeed, obviously, they have to modify their criteria for a film to be eligible for an award, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there was more about that a couple of days ago on the news. All right. I have something that is in the news that I want to talk about, but it also relates Ooh. to my week in review. Ooh. So maybe we should go to week in review, and I should go first, and then yeah. uh, and then I, I can tie it into the news that you way. Got it. Does that sound good? It does. It does. But before we go into week in review... Yeah, we got a little uh, little spot to do here, yeah, right? Yeah, there's someone who's sponsoring it, isn't it? Robert, kick it off for us. AVGearGuy.com. AVGearGuy.com has over 30 years of experience in the business of transferring all sorts of non-digital media into the digital platform. So this is slides, this is negatives, this is uh, Super 8 film, 16mm films, any of your old home movies, even VHS and Betamax tapes, any of that stuff that you send to him, even old floppy disks, he can turn over for you and put it into a modern uh, hard drive format for you to be able to share with your family and be able to to send grandma those pictures of you at your fifth grade birthday party. Absolutely. This guy digitizes everything and anything you can possibly think of. You and our listeners, of course, including our three in Ethiopia, know that I've been going through all 14,000 of my slides. By the way, I'm about three quarters done organizing them, putting them in album folders and so on. And again, it's a flood. It's a flood of memories. And you've heard me say this before, but I want to say it again. These are images I would not have seen for the rest of my life. I have my carousel projector, but the bulb burnt out. I would not see these images. So it's been a thrill. You know, you could have bought a replacement bulb. It's hard to find. Where? Are there still photo camera shops? There are, but well, probably, but it was easier to get them. But you were never going to do that. I I mean, yeah, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Hey, I'll mention Antiway Podcast. You're going to have 5% discount. AVGearGuy.com. Like him on Facebook. This guy is so detail-oriented. He's great. Robert and I recommend him. Yep, we both used him. We both love it. All That's right. True. Good. Let's do some Week in Review. Yeah. So Week in Review. This week, uh, I watched a series. I watched a documentary series that was new to Netflix called... Uh, called not Lion King, but Tiger King. Have I've you heard been hearing this? a lot about that. I haven't seen it, but I've been hearing so much about it. Go ahead. Okay, well, this is what ties into the news. So Tiger King centers on a, a few different characters. There are three, I would say, paramount characters, two of which are in Florida and another in North Carolina. And basically, this kind of follows the... the there's a, a, a sub, subculture of America that deals with 
big cats. So these are tigers and lions and things like that. And they keep them as pets. And they raise them. And basically, the documentary is kind of looking at that activity, but also looking at the characters who run these kinds of, of facilities and how they are, they're all kind of slimy and they all are, how do I describe this? They're, they're almost like running a cult in a lot of ways. Uh, they kind of brainwash people to come work for them. They all end up with like marriages that have multiple people involved. It's all very weird. Um, but they, the, the main character uh, by far is a very eccentric guy named uh, Joe Exotic. And he he's a gay, gun-toting, outspoken hillbilly, and he's very proud of it. And he raises all of these uh, these tigers on his, his farm in, in, um, in, what do you call it, in Florida. But he's got this feud with a neighboring woman who is, I guess, a few counties over, also in Florida, and she has a tiger sanctuary but it's basically the same thing she claims she's on the side of good and protecting everybody and he's on the side of bad and of course he you know says the opposite and there are a lot of really nefarious things that have gone down between the two of them and at one point um the documentary kind of discusses how joe exotic tried to hire a hitman to to kill this woman who ran her own sanctuary and in the news, it came out, in the doc, part of the documentary, it talks about how her husband mis, like, disappeared under mysterious circumstances, and they think that she might have killed her husband. Well, in the news, they are now looking into this woman to see if she did indeed have her husband killed and fed to the tigers, because his body has never been found. Ah. Um, it's a pretty crazy documentary. I think it's, uh, I want to say, six or seven, maybe eight parts or something like that. They're all about 45 minutes each. So you're in for a long haul, but really it's fascinating. Every turn is just, it gets crazier and crazier, and all these people are just so eccentric. There is one moment in this documentary where a character uh, commits suicide, and you don't see it, but he does it. Uh, this character is playing with guns, and he's, you know, he, throughout the, the documentary, he's kind of seen shooting guns and things like that, and they... We're talking about his obsession with guns and how he would point them at people. And this one person was like, don't point that at me. I don't, I don't like that. And he goes, oh, it's a Luger. You know, Lugers don't fire if the clip's not in them. Here, look. And he turned it to his own head and pulled the trigger and shot himself. Well, you don't see the suicide on screen, but you do see the reaction of the person who was standing there. And I guess mm -hmm. the, there was security footage, and he just blew his brains out in front of somebody else. And they show this footage of someone expression he yes and i'm telling you it which, was which is more horrific perhaps it really is it's, you I can make the argument it's more horrific than actually seeing the person blow yeah out. yeah and that moment alone i had to rewind like two or three times it was so intense and it's just literally the guy f like freezes he brings his, his his hands up to his cheeks almost like kevin McAllister from home alone you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah that kind of expression and he holds it there for probably, I'd say, a good 10 seconds and does not move. And it almost looks like the video froze, but there's a, uh, a countdown, like a timer clock on the screen. So you can see that the video is advancing, but ah. he just m remains completely motionless for about 10 or 15 seconds. And then is like trying to talk to him and see like if there's a joke happening. It's just, you know, he's like, did you just pull a joke on me? And he knew he was dead, but he couldn't process. It's really fascinating, even just that moment. But it's... Uh, it, the whole documentary is really, uh, it's a good one. And it's, it's very interesting how all of these characters play out. They all have these like, 
these multiple wives and, or, or husbands. It's crazy. When the camera was tight on the observer's face, did blood spatter? No, it wasn't tight because it was a security cam footage, mm. but you can, it's a high quality security cam footage and you can clearly see the person uh, in, on the screen. And now the other person, you can see the flash from the gun, but you don't see any blood splatter anywhere. Wow. Wow. So that's what I saw this week. What about you? I've been hearing so much about that. Yeah, me, I have a few things I want to mention. I talked about this film a number of weeks ago and it was on TV, Alita Battle Angel. Remember that film? I got to tell you something. The visuals, and again, it's that cyberpunk. I love that term. It's, It's a cyberpunk feature film and she's a robot and she's really hot. So I was watching the film, and I went to the actress. I Googled to see what the actress looked like. Here's the really fucked up part. (laughs) It's Will Smith. (laughs) I was more drawn to her as a robot than I was as the actual person, a human being. That seeing her, that made it a little bit more kinky. Are you into into that robot porn? I have been... Not really, but I've been following Japan and what they're doing with a real doll. They've been oh, making yeah. a lot of advancements, and I think this might be my future. <laughs> that when I come home from a hard day at work, they're getting these robots. They're AI. It's artificial intelligence. They know all about you. they got memory. They know all about you and your wants and needs. And my robot will say, hi, honey, how was your day at work? Ira, how you're finally going to get married. <laughs> and the robot will say, hey, how was your podcast with Robert? I hope it went well. My God. What more do we need? Uh, anyway. I, maybe she could cook. Nah. nah. We'll do delivery. We'll, we'll get Chinese food. <laughs> I saw Alita, though, again. And I also was very curious about something. On, on broadcast TV, Bonnie and Clyde in the late 60s. Oh, yeah. I hadn't seen it since I saw it in the theater on its initial run. Really? And yes, and I made a point of watching the last 15 minutes because we all recall the big shootout, which is quite graphic, over the top. Oh, yeah? bullet-riddled car on the doors and so on. And I got to tell you, it was quite intense, even with today's lens. Yeah, it was. Seeing it today, it was really, really graphically violent. Can I say now, this, though? I feel please. like it, it is, but the problem is the lead-up to it was a little slow. Like that Agreed. Agreed. Movie- it it doesn't move like the rest. Agreed. The rest of the movie doesn't pick up to the same pace as that final yes. ending shootout. Yes, yes. And again, I only watched like the last 20, 25 minutes. That's all. But mm-hmm. it was getting a little bit. I was like snapping my fingers, like, "Come on, let's kick kick up the pace here." Mm-hmm. And it did in the last six minutes. But at any rate, yeah, I agree with you. Hey, I found I've been talking about this and uh, uh, the uh, uh, Amazon Prime hunters hunters oh yeah i finished watching all the installments and, and it's a limited series what a fucking ballsy over the top it's uh, i gotta check this out you really do and i want to say it again al pacino was fucking good in this he was really really good it's there's two twists actually two and a half twists in the final installment the final episode yeah. it's over the top he's and- a nazi <laughs> Funny you'd say that. Uh-oh, uh-oh. But no, you're not quite there, but there's a twist very similar to what you just said. Hey, one last film I want to mention before Hoo-ha. we continue. <laughs> That's when he went downhill. Okay. Um, the documentary on, on Patrick McGowan and The Prisoner, I finally watched the rest of it called In My Mind. Mm-hmm. And again, this is finally streaming on the U.S. Amazon Prime. And uh, I was so looking forward to this. It's got a lot of mixed reviews. And again, I belong to all these these clubs 
uh, these fan clubs on Facebook and so on, and they're quite critical of this documentary. I was hoping it would be insightful, and it really wasn't. It was stuff that we already know, and the documentary was about the making of the documentary and how hard it was to get Patrick McGowan. Hmm. That was kind of the whole thing. And and Patrick McGowan didn't like the documentary, and so this is weird shit. He went out on his own with a different camera crew to record everything he already said in this initial documentary, which was even more weird. I've heard of that. but by the, He went back to the same location in Malibu, the Huntley Hotel in Santa Monica. That's got that glass elevator on the outside. Right. You might know that. it's a That's where the initial... He went back there with a different camera crew so he could do it. It was getting really weird. And he was getting persnickety. And he was getting quite odd in his old age. And um, it was a disappointing documentary. Not insightful, but I was just curious... And I'm so glad I saw it anyway. That's my weekend review. Actually, we both saw one other film. I know because I sent it to you. There's a short film that we both saw this week called Love 40. Yes. And uh, it's interesting because we made a film called 30 Love, which you can actually really? go to 30lovefilm.com and purchase. Uh, yeah. Really? You can purchase the DVD or the Blu-ray. DVD and Blu-ray? Yeah. Are there bonus features on the discs? Over three hours of bonus features. And hey, Robert, if, would, our, would our listeners get any kind of discount? Yes, they would get 10% off if they type in anti-wave. Huh. So huh. again, it's 30lovefilm.com. That's Got it. it. Yeah. Anyway, but let's talk about... short. Okay. Let's <laughs> talk about Love 40. A <laughs> uh, short film that we've, that premiered at Tribeca Film Festival uh, a couple years ago. And I guess because of all the coronavirus stuff, Tribeca has been sending out a lot of uh, like mm. a short a day kind of uh, thing just to keep people watching short films and uh, they send out a short film and that was one of the short films somebody saw it and said hey you got to check this out I saw it thought it was really cute uh, short film about a couple that is kind of a dysfunctional couple playing tennis and uh, the female of the couple gets bit by a snake and how they deal with the stress of that situation it was a cool little movie I liked it I yeah, liked I it did too yeah, yeah. Even anyway. they, tr they tried to steal our title <laughs> So at any rate, that was uh, that was another film that we saw. Absolutely right. We both saw that too. All Good. Right. Ira, Good. Yes. you want to talk about Contagion? Let's talk about Contagion and Robert, talk us through it. Okay, Contagion is a, uh, a film about 10 years old that yeah. climbed up the, uh, the Apple iTunes charts this week. In case you aren't aware, coronavirus has been uh, in the news and pretty much affected all forms of American life. Um, but but uh, Contagion is somewhat similar to what's going on in our life, but 10 years earlier, it, it kind of predicted a lot of this stuff. It, it actually focuses on a woman who comes home from a trip to China where she had been infected with the virus. She uh, stops off at a layover in Chicago and uh, has a fling with an old, uh, an old boyfriend and mm -hmm. then comes home to her husband. Um, she has the virus. She dies, uh, infects her son, and then... Uh, basically, he, the sun affects the elementary school, and it just it winds up getting all around America, and uh, everybody's effect, infected, and and this becomes a global pandemic, and people are dropping like flies, um, and it also centers around the the characters from the CDC who are trying to stop this from escalating any further. Yeah, is yeah. that fair? Very good breakdown? summary. And we should say it's directed by whom, Robert? Steven Soderbergh. I know, I know. And I want to mention the incredible, it's an ensemble cast. I'm not familiar with Marianne uh, Cotillard. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, she was the lead. She's actually a two-time Tony winner, and um, and but obviously beside her and Matt Damon and Lawrence Fishburne, Jude Law, Gwyneth Paltrow, Kate Winslet, Brian Cranston was yeah. in it, and Elliot Gould, and on and on it goes. Yeah, uh, how appropriate that we would watch that film now. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know the sequel is in the works. Actually, the sequel has been made, and we're living it right now. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, get the fuck out. They're not going to make yeah. a sequel to Contagion. Yeah. <laughs> Half the cast is dead. Um, I, I do want to point out that yes. this movie, that's one of the things I like about it, is that they just, they kill characters off with reckless abandon. I mean, yes. um, and of course, you know, we always talk about spoilers and, and how, I don't, I don't give a shit about spoilers, but the way Kate Winslet dies in this movie mm-hmm. is, uh, it's really tragic and it gets me every time. Like, she... She knows she's got the virus. She knows she's probably going to die. One of the last acts she does is the guy that's next to her is cold, and she gives him her jacket. And then the next shot, we see like she's 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 on her own deathbed, and she gives someone else her jacket because she's trying to help. And the next shot is her covered in plastic, and she's dead. Yeah, I mean, really powerful editing right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just and what a great way to show her character and who she was up until the final moments. And it, it's all told really through, through gestures and through actions and through the cut. And it, it's, it's a really, really beautiful moment in filmmaking. And there's so many of those throughout the entire film. There are a couple of, of moments where I kind of roll my eyes. And I think this really gets down to some of the philosophies that you and I talked about before. I know. Whether or not society would start fighting with each other and crumbling or whether we would continue on and try to be good. Right. And right. and that's been this discussion that, you know, I, more and more, I think um, people almost expect that we'll all go crazy, but I don't think we will go crazy. And go ahead. What are you going to say? Yeah, Cause we will get to this point uh, maybe a little bit later on in our discussion, but it sure does wrestle with our ongoing discussion about, uh, about the human condition and people's reaction. And will it, Will it bring out the savage-like qualities in people, or will right. it be more kind and understanding? Yeah. Well, and we so, we had talked with um, Eric Swellstead before, Professor Eric Swellstead. He'd been a guest on our show a few times, and that's been a theme that's come up primarily with him about whether or not uh, whether or not people are good in those moments. And I think that was one of the problems that I had with this movie is. Matt Damon takes his daughter to a grocery store and all of a sudden everybody's just looting and robbing and, and trying to steal gas out of his gas tank. Like we're all going nuts. And I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm not saying it will never happen. I'm just saying, I don't think it will happen in the massive amounts that the movies depict. Right. Right. Uh, it, it could, it will happen, but I mean, there, this was a, a small town and there were buildings on fire and people were just letting it burn. And, looting and stealing and it was just like people breaking into banks and stealing stuff and it's like well if if that's happening then the wheels have come off the wagon of society to where the banks don't matter anymore anyway our monetary system is completely gone like we're Mm -hmm. gonna have to completely restructure our government our sense of currency all of that stuff is gonna have to be completely redesigned if we ever get back on track right do you know what i mean i do know what you mean and again this film certainly suggested it would resort to some savage like whether it's you know, the thing that's going on right now with the toilet tissue, but there were scenes in the pharmacy that supposedly had the anecdote, uh, anecdote, antidote, antidote. And I think that was the, the, the fake one 
and uh, but it still created a mass panic and, and breaking glass to get access to it and setting the building on fire and people just rampaging the streets and so on. I thought about you and I was, of course, going to bring that up in our discussion. Well, I don't have know. you heard I, about like, uh, you know, Costco has a really great return policy, but they've been um, they've decided to not not allow people to return uh, items that they purchased and that were they were hoarding. So if you purchased a ton of toilet mm. paper before and you're trying to return it now, Costco won't take it back. And they're saying, nope, we, we refuse that uh, because you were hoarding and it's now on you. And you got to deal with, you know, that many years worth of toilet paper or right. whatever you I know, like you've that. got. I like that. I like that too. It's like, look, man, you, do. you yeah. were soaking it yeah. up from everybody else. And now that the supply has met you, up with You the made man, your bed. You made your bed. Now you got to lie in it. Yep, yep. I yep. mean, the good part is that toilet paper doesn't go bad. I mean, I guess it could if it gets wet or you keep it around animals or something. It's not like toilet paper from 1967 is somehow no good. You know, you could still wipe your ass with it. Oh, good. I was a little worried about that because mine goes back to 1941. Yeah, but that's because you've been using the same piece of toilet paper. <laughs> You're not, but I wash it. I put it in the washer. <laughs> with your ass. The dryer. <laughs> I, just because you washed I, it once doesn't mean that it's clean. You mean I got to wash it more than once? Yeah. <laughs> oh. So I think, uh, yeah, I think, I, I don't know. I, I just don't, I don't think that we would behave like that. And I think it's nice that Costco is doing that kind of thing, which is, it's, hey, look, we need to understand too, that if this happens in the future, your hoarding practices, like your scare tactics um, will not be, um, that you're going to have to, you're going to have to live with the consequences of them. Right, right. But I want to swing back to the actual movie itself. Okay. I liked this film a lot. I thought yeah. it was smart and scary. Smart and scary. I like the, you know, when I, obviously we have your boy as the director again, and I was concerned it would be very glitzy and stylishly shot like Ocean's Eleven. And it wasn't. It had a gritty feel to it. It was more, yeah. it was more muted. With, and I wonder if you're going to agree with what I'm about to say. It almost had a docu-like feel. It did, yes. You can appreciate that, right? Absolutely. There was like a green tinge in a lot of scenes, a little bit grainy and raw, and it fit the subject matter. Well, I, I think was, the whole thing was just kind of, it, it was scaled down, I think. Um, yes, yes. I mean, I, I know that when they made the movie, they um, they made the decision to try to to try to make the movie avoiding certain types of um, of stereotypical things that you would see in these kinds of outbreak movies. I'll try to look it up. Give me just a minute. And I'll try to find it while we're talking. But there were there was a list of like, here's five or six things that we can't do in this movie. I think one was like big helicopter shots or something like mm -hmm, that. But, mm -hmm. um, if you give me a minute, I'll try to find it. But I know that that, that kind of um, philosophy in filmmaking is something that they – really tried to achieve. Right. Yeah, it was not a pretty movie to act to look at. And I like that. Again, it was raw, it was gritty, with this with this almost muted green tinge throughout. It really it really worked for me. Yeah. I was even impressed with when we saw the people sick, the way their this their faces were clammy. Mm -hmm. You know, you could tell they were perspiring. And it yeah. was just very it was very raw that way. What about the the music was I was aware of the music throughout the film. And at first I was thinking is this music pulling me out of the film? Um, but then it served its purpose because I found a lot of it to be anxiety provoking. I agree. It was anxiety provoking. It was not music that I would have expected, but it was working. 
Well, it's so funny. I've I've talked about the TV show The Nick, which is mm-hmm. really really good, and it's a uh, it's a show with Clive Owen and Soderbergh directed that as well, and the music is very similar. And uh, you know, we just spent so much time watching. My wife and I watched um, The Nick that was as soon as we started watching Contagion this week. Um, it just totally took us back, and we said that's definitely the same composed, same feel, same kind of energy to the music, and it adds that anxiety of like something's going to happen. Yeah, let's, start, let's start moving. That's right. That's right. What else did you think about it? Here's where I jotted down. I thought the movie did a good job of balancing both the you're going to love this, the internal and the international. Mm-hmm. Dealing with the virus on an internal level, on a personal level, uh, the dynamics with family and so on. And then it did the a same on the international global level as well. I thought it handled that, those two worlds really well. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think the the best, I guess, part to me is the answer. And what I mean by that is I think everyone wonders how did all this begin? Mm-hmm. And and it did that really well. I, the last you're taking my money shot away from me. Go ahead. Well, I know. Then maybe I know. we need to get a money shot. Yeah. But the, the last like probably five ten minutes of the movie is spent trying to answer that question of here's how it started. Right. Here's how. Here's it's how a flashback. It's actually yeah. a flashback. Right. 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 And they, it, it's almost one of those things that you never quite know exactly where a, a virus begins. But of course, it has to have a beginning. Like, is it, it's coming from animals, right? So all. Almost all human diseases are, are caused uh, by our interaction with animals. And I don't know, I think, <clears throat> how do I say this? Like, th- that's just always the big question mark that everybody has whenever, whenever these kinds of things happen, whenever you have, um, you know, an outbreak of a disease and where did it begin? How did it start? And if we know that, then maybe we can try to find some sort of solution to it. And this movie does a really good job of that. Absolutely. And I think you're going to appreciate what I'm about to say. I really thought the very end, the fade out, was going to be the scene prior to what you just described, where he was um, in his living room with a Mm -hmm. makeshift prom, Mm -hmm. dancing, watching his daughter dance with her boyfriend. And I really thought we'd have a fade out there on his face, you know, family and all that. Mm-hmm. But no, no. Right after that, we went to that flashback showing how it all happened, which is also quite foreboding that it could happen again. That's what it left me with, where we saw the bat and the droppings went to the pig. The pig ate it. And then the cook, that, that chef at that restaurant, and we saw blood on his apron. And then mm-hmm. he, of course, touched Gwyneth Paltrow. So we saw how it started and how easy it would be to repeat itself. Yes. I thought that was foreboding. And it gave us the answer we wanted to see. Exactly how did it happen? I loved the last few minutes. And again, yeah. that was my money shot. And I don't know. I think to me, I've said it before, I, this is the scariest film I've ever seen. And mm. it's it's not a jump scare. It's a right. sit with this right. and understand that this is real. And, yeah. you know, coronavirus starts to happen. And then, you know, you start thinking, this is an incredibly realistic portrayal of what, what would or could happen. And we're living it now. Yep. And yep. again, I do want to point out the most unrealistic parts of the movie are the mass chaos in my mind. But everything else mm. is incredibly realistic. And I think it also kind of puts into perspective that the, the COVID-19 that we're in right now is not as deadly as it could be. You know, mm-hmm. and if it was this kind of deadliness that, um, you know, that we're, we're seeing 
in in Contagion in the movie Contagion, it, it could be much much worse. Right. Right. One of the problems with COVID-19, though, is that people are contagious for about a week before they ever even show symptoms. And that is a real problem. So if you're, you a carrier, take that, you're a carrier. You're a carrier. Yeah. And you think that you're fine. I mean, with most other flus, when you get, you know, you, they think that you're not really contagious until you start to show symptoms. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of our protection. That's always been our protection. But now you're walking around. You don't know that you've got it, but you're spreading it around to everybody else for a full week. So agreed. By the way, yeah. you've heard me articulate this before, and I'll articulate it again about Gwyneth Paltrow. I said mm -hmm. she's kind of she's kind of icy and bitchy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. This movie it kind of supports here. that. Boy, yeah. I'll say, yeah. What, look what she did, cheating on Matt Damon, her husband. Fuck her. What a great scene where they he basically finds out that she's been cheating on him. Yeah, yeah. and like, and what a great reveal. Like the the. This movie is really smart in a bunch of ways, and that's one of those ways where Matt Damon has to, he finds out, well, wait a minute. She has a, an ex-boyfriend in Chicago, and she had a layover in Chicago, and now this guy is dead with the same thing that she's got, and there's only one way that he could be sick, and it's from her. You know, it's like, man, that's... I know, I know, I know. What a great puzzle piece, and what a yes. great way to kind of, to explain it. And he had all those those emotions in him and his facial expressions. Right. Yeah, I know. He's great, Matt Damon. He really is. I think. He, um, I mean, you really. I was going to say that when we get to our top five, but what a, what a solid, dependable actor he is, huh? Yeah, I think so, and I think he seems humble. You know, I think he's, he's really a nice guy. He on seems the talk to be. Shows. He seems. Yeah. He seems very humble, and yeah, you know, even the shtick with what with Jimmy Kimmel, you know that we didn't have right. time for Matt Damon and all. It's very playful. And when he's on James Gordon, they do these sketches and he, he makes fun of himself uh -huh. in the, in the Bourne movies. And it's right, very right, right. funny shtick. And I love that when celebs do that. I think I'm jumping the gun of the top five, but I want you to think about this and you don't have to answer right now. Maybe you yeah, answer yeah, yeah. when we're in the top five, can you think of a, a movie that you didn't like Matt Damon? Mm, in? Mm -mm. No. I mean, I know some people don't like Matt Damon. And, okay, well, in that case, that's going to be a much tougher putt. But if you like Matt Damon at all, if you if you think, yeah, he's a pretty decent actor, I'd be hard-pressed to say that he's bad. In any, he can actually act, but he also is an everyman. You know, I think that's one of the problems with a lot of movie stars is that they're not really um, – they don't always act, you know. Tom right. Hanks, I don't think, because is a great. Say, Tom Hanks has that everyman quality, right? He's I, he's immensely watchable, right. but he's not a great actor. Mm -hmm. And I Agreed. think Tom. So I think Matt Damon can be a great actor. I've seen him great in things, but most of the time he just kind of plays the everyman. And there's right, nothing right. wrong with playing the everyman, right? We need that. Right. People can relate to it, right? Yeah. No, I can't think of a Matt Gary Damon Oldman. Movie I, I don't. Like. I don't know. Gary, Gary Oldman, Oldman is a great everyman. Gary Oldman no. is just a great actor. No, I remember what you said weeks ago on a podcast. You said he's a chameleon. Yeah. He's yeah, a chameleon. Sure. He becomes it. Yeah, he just blends he into just, the role. He just becomes it. Yeah, yeah. Nice. All right. Good. Well, uh, yeah. you want to talk any other money shots? Money shots? Let's get started. Do you have a few others that we didn't mention? I do. Um, I Yeah, I like the scene where Matt Damon is... Um, is saying they're trying to get out and the the national guard is like no you have to go back you're under quarantine and he's like where where do we go and he's trying to explain to him like i don't have the virus you know and i think that's a really interesting scene i think right around that same point they start showing the um 
the airports and the airports are all just empty and no mm-hmm. one is at yes. the airports. Yes. Um, and, and I think those kind, that kind of filmmaking, especially the, the airports, rather than showing um, like a news, a news article or news, somebody talking on the news, like uh, airlines today decided to not uh, continue flights or something like that. All they have to do is just show an empty airport and we understand what that means. That's right. We get it. And I think that's really smart filmmaking. Economy of filmmaking. Yes. Economy of filmmaking. And and it's not hitting you over the head with things. It's trying to figure out what's another way to show this. So this is what what I've said before is I think, I truly think Soderbergh is brilliant at filmmaking. He does, he, this is the same director who did High Flying Bird. And <laughs> doesn't make any sense in my reality. <laughs> I know, but it's, it's because he's trying something different with High Flying Bird. He's trying, he's trying to shoot it on an iPhone. He's trying to do something very small, just a talky film about basketball and, and, you know, stocks and control and power of NBA and things like that. That's, that's all very unusual. You know, and, yeah. and that's that's its own world. This obviously has a much bigger budget, and it's something that he can have a little bit more room to breathe. But I think he really is truly brilliant at filmmaking, and he knows how to make things in a unique way. He's, he puts together a list of rules for himself for every film that he he is going to direct, and he says, "Okay, here's the the sandbox that we're going to play in." Right. And I think that's definitely the case for Contagion. Uh, sorry, I was getting sidetracked when we were talking about money shots, but. I like it when you get sidetracked. Yeah. By the way, did my audio just jump up because I moved the mic much closer to myself, so I don't yeah, want to back, be uneven. Back it away. Back it away a little. Oh, it's too much. Close. Okay. Yeah. Is that better? That's better. Go ahead. Is that Stay better? There. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Keep going. What else you got? Oh yes. Okay. What, what's your money my shot? money shot? You know, I got to tell you, early in the film when we saw the dead son, the dead mm-hmm. child, I didn't expect that, but there he was, yeah. discolored with spittle around his mouth, and it was just a quick shot, and that that was jarring for me. Right. Uh, in addition to that, um, oh, when the female scientist takes off her mask so she can be with her sick dad, yeah. it was after she injected. But that was quite a quite a scene too. And of course, again, when when the dad um, uh, watches his daughter having that makeshift prom in the living room, and oh, he was on the he's looking at pictures of his dead wife also, Gwyneth Paltrow, right I through the camera. Very, yes, yes, through the camera, and I thought that was very sweet too. And of course, the very very end explaining exactly what had happened. Mm-hmm. So I think all those are really strong money shots for me. I, I, for whatever it's worth, uh, I really like this the shot where they're doing the uh, the <clears throat> the autopsy of Gwyneth Paltrow's character, where they uh, kind of peel her. I know. <clears throat> And she really did a great job. I, I'm always impressed when people play dead and you you don't see any breathing or pulsing. I always kind of look for that secretly. And she did a really good job of just kind of I was also watching her body as she was breathing. I know. And we saw her skull open. Yeah. In the autopsy. I know. I know. That was unexpected. She she played. She's not in the film a lot. Yeah, she's not. She's and not. I, I thought she was a starring not. role. Kind of like, <laughs> but uh, just enough. Just enough. Yeah. I think this is the the difference between. Um, I don't know if you ever saw Outbreak, the movie with uh, Dustin Dustin Hoffman. Hoffman, and that is more of what I think most people expected. Like a movie like that. Like, there's a disease. We've got to fight it. And you know, it's like trying to fight a disease, and <laughs> it's not quite the same. Mm-hmm. This is like. Here's a bunch of people. I got an ensemble cast, and I'm going to kill a bunch of these people off. And 
Um, we're going to show you a bunch of different aspects of what's going on, kidnappings and things like that. Yeah, like yeah. It's crazy and absolutely true. You can see a world where all that would exist. You know, a, a criticism of the film, and I read about, I don't agree with this, that because it's such a large ensemble cast that these characters are somewhat two-dimensional, we don't really dig deep and and get to know them and watch their arc and so on. But I don't agree with that criticism. I don't really agree with that either. I mm-hmm. think... I think the problem is that, okay, people who really go to films a lot, they come in already knowing some of the the archetypes of the characters before you've even seen any frames of the movie. You know, you already kind of know, here's the the kind of character that we're dealing with. But the, the scene that I was mentioning before where she gives her jacket to this other sick patient, the uh, uh, Kate Winslet character, it's it's great characterization. You see exactly what we're, who that character is. Absolutely. And I think you have to dig a little deeper to see it. And I mean the idea of Matt Damon, you know, when he's in shock and they tell him his wife died and he goes, yeah, okay, but when can I see her? I'm I like, know. I don't think you understand. I know. He didn't process. He didn't hear what the doctor said. Okay, yeah. when can I go see her? Uh, he thought she was still, he didn't hear the doctor. Right. There's, that was so the real. That's that you need. But that was so real. Yes. That was so real, that moment. Yes. And then he gets explosive and angry. He's like, what yeah. are you saying? Well, I was yeah. just talking to her. What are you yeah, talking yeah, yeah, about? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's irate, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that's, that's a really interesting uh, element to the yeah. movie. So. Agreed. Anyway, no, that's my money shots. Is this movie anti I know. I know. Well, let me ask you a question, Robert. Okay. You know, I like to go here when we discuss the anti-wave question. Uh-huh. Who's the, who's the uh, protagonist? <laughs> who's the protagonist? See, and I, I, I know. I knew you'd smile at that question. Because you know who I think the protagonist is? Humans? Humanity. Humanity. Are you looking at my notes again? No. Humanity. I think, yeah. can, you, can you appreciate what I'm saying? I think humanity is the well, protagonist. Even, like, even Jude Law's character, I mean, mm-hmm. he's kind of, we, we don't even really know if his character is a shuckster or if he's actually mm-hmm. um, on the cutting edge. And it's really interesting the way that they've filmed it. His character is someone who um, promotes a, a, a cure-all called Formithia, and it's this drug that's supposed to work that the the government isn't telling people about. And there's kind of like a, um, what am I trying to say? Like it's conspiracy theorist. And we, we're even seeing some of that now with the coronavirus, with the COVID-19. There are certain drugs that are uh, being claimed to work that actually don't work, like homeopathic therapies and things like that, that, uh, that aren't really working. There was, uh, I just heard in the news about one couple that ate, some it was stuff that was supposed to go in a fish tank and it had a similar type similar sounding type of uh name to this drug that was supposed to yes from getting i read about that tank. yes yeah. so i mean that's the it's very similar to kind of what has been going on now there's a lot of um like uh um who was the pastor who's talking he's got this like a uh, kind of cure-all liquid or something that's supposed to prevent you from getting COVID-19. And it's kind of the same thing as the Jude Law character. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that with Jude Law, we don't know that he's a villain necessarily. Not, it yeah. really kind of shows you from his point of mm-hmm. view. Mm-hmm. And we get to know him and we're kind of going, well, maybe he's right. You don't see him being wrong and he did survive. And so the point being... You know, that character could have been a cartoon and more yeah. two-dimensional. This is what you're yeah. saying. But there was more depth to him and more of a... um 
He's more there, textured. He was textured. Yes. And if, that's what you're saying. Right, if right. If there is a villain in the movie, yeah, it's, it's him, the, right? I mean, well, it, no, who, I think I think it's the virus. Well, clearly, but I mean, if there's <laughs> if there's a conventional villain, yeah, okay, agreed. If there is a villain, then it's him, and he is even shown in a way that is he's on, favorable. You know, he's honorable, right? In he's his an honorable way. villain, right? He believes what he's saying, absolutely, and that's what I liked about it. That wasn't lazy writing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was not lazy. Yeah, you could have painted him as a cartoon and a goofball. And a zealot. I, yeah. I like that you're you're right in that it's not lazy writing. I absolutely agree with you. And you're right. It stems from the writing. It also stems from the filmmaking and the way that he's depicted. It also comes down to the acting. It's all three of those in concert mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. make that character come to life. Right. So, um, and I, I totally disagree with that about not understanding the characters. There, There's a lot of characterization that's going on with even his character, with him trying to sell the story before it gets really big and no one's yeah. listening to him and him being paranoid. And then this ex-girlfriend shows up on his door and he's like, get out of here, you know, and, and everybody's bothering me. They broke in and stole my Promethea or whatever. So I think there's a lot of characterization. It's just not, it's not presented in a, in a conventional format. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of buried a little bit more. You got to mm-hmm. dig it mm-hmm. apart. That's right. That's right. So is an anti-wave. Yes. So getting back to the question now, and I was going in this thing about, well, if humanity is indeed the protagonist, does humanity win at the end? Yes. I would say no. Oh, yes, they do. They have the answer. But a lot of humanity. I know, but there's so. Now, wouldn't you, Robert, Robert, you know how I can't let go of that movie Life with that twist ending? You know, I bring that up every now and then. Wouldn't you have liked this movie more? If the virus fucking wins at the end and wipes out all of humanity, isn't that a Robert Cannon film? I uh, but see here's the thing. I, I disagree with you. I think it does. I think it kills. I mean, it took them years to get back on track. It, it's a realistic depiction of our society. It's it's basically a what if. And so I get what you mean. Of it like, didn't wipe like, us out. It didn't wipe out humanity. But there. There won't be a disease that wipes out humanity. Hmm. There'll be a disease that that I mean, almost every disease that happens, there's always natural immunities to it. So, in in an effort to be realistic, there will be um, like natural immunities. There will be people who isolate themselves. Humanity won't die from a disease. Mm-hmm. So you're saying, in that sense, we lose, which makes it an anti-wave movie. That's where you're going. I'm saying it killed off a bunch of like I mean, huge mm-hmm. numbers, right? Huge right. numbers. They're doing mass graves. Um, you know, they, they couldn't, the CDC couldn't get their own people back. Um, and it was just, there, there's so much that was kind of fucked up about that world. I don't know. I mean, first of all, I don't even buy in that humanity is the protagonist in that sense. I feel like I know what you're saying, but I don't know that humanity can really be the protagonist. All right. Then who is, I don't think there is a protagonist. Yeah. I think if you have one, I think it has to be the character. Yeah. Or maybe you have several protagonists that mm-hmm. you know all uh, you know combine together to make several different stories. So I don't know. For me, I feel like you're going to give this a seven. It. You're going to give it a seven. No, I'm going to go higher. I think you are like going to go higher. An eight. Yeah, maybe yeah. eight and a yeah. half. Yeah. I think it, it's pretty anti-wave. The things that pull it back from being anti-wave are, I mean, I, even though I've made the argument against, I this know the you're going to say the cast, the right. cast, say the yeah. cast. I, mean, I know, you, I know. You have a huge cast there, and. Yeah, of of you have a, a number of A list celebs in this movie. Yeah, yeah, and that that does pull it back. Right, right. Um, 
I don't know. I just feel like the filmmaking as yeah. well. Like I've I agree before. with you. I agree with you. The filmmaking itself, again, with that raw, gritty, yeah, doc, docu-like style. Mm-hmm. Soderbergh is just a one-man band, and he does the shooting and the directing and the editing, and he does it all himself. That really starts to lend itself more towards anti-wave. I mean, right, right, right. That's just not a Hollywood standard. You don't see that. All right, you're going eight point five. I'm still yeah, hovering at I seven. Can. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, only because I had a different. Hmm. Because they I, did I'm find sure. a solution at the end. Right. No, I get you. I get that's, you. I that's mean, why I didn't go higher. I love the movie, but I'm trying to not confuse my love of the movie with its anti-wave scale. Ah, yes, I know. Oh, on, yeah. On our like scale, we'd give yeah. it a 10. Or oh, I would. 9.7 9. 9. or 10. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. But I, I'm trying not to confuse those two things. But I do think it is anti-wave, and that's one of the draws mm-hmm. to me about mm-hmm. it. But it yeah. also feels very watchable, even though it's kind of non-typical in its structure. Yeah. I guess there is kind of a beginning, middle, and end to it. Although it takes – we did find a cure, but it took years, you know, and that yeah. – that woman who was kidnapped, who worked for the WHO, she's kidnapped and she's there. She ends up teaching the whole tribe full of kids mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or the village full of kids. Um, and so she's there for a long period of time, months before they finally release her. So. Yeah. Well, that's know. Andy Wave. Yeah. Okay. I'm going up to 7.4. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Good. Cool. Who died this week? Gotta tell you, unfortunately, we must. The following people, they done turned to dust. We lost the following people in the entertainment industry in the last seven days. Eric Weisberg, 80-year-old American folk music. And you know what he's responsible for? Dueling banjos, which was used in Deliverance. Now, I guess he he wrote the song, and I want to know if that was actually his playing that we heard, or did those two hillbillies actually play while they were filming? Oh. I don't have the answer. I dug real deep and I couldn't find the answer to that. If anyone knows, I'd be we'd both be really curious to find out. And well, it was only one hillbilly. The other. Oh, you're right. Was... It wasn't two, was it? It was just the one right. person on the bridge when they went under the bridge. Right, 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 right. So, but this guy Eric Weisberg. No, buddy, you know, it was it was on the cabin right before they got in the water. But anyway, go ahead. No, wasn't he outside on a makeshift bridge? No, and... it was like on a porch. Oh, well, okay, but we went underneath it, right? Remember from the raft that they went underneath it, like it was like a, a tunnel going. It was a no. bridge. I think it was a bridge, like. No, wow. no, no. He's Our he's sitting on a re- like a rocking chair on his porch, and the the other guy's yeah. standing underneath it, like on the on the bridge. ground. Anyway, Eric wrote the damn music. And he's dead. And he's dead at 80 years old. David Colling, 79-year-old British actor. He was in Scrooge. The 39 Steps, the remake, not not the Hitchcock one. We lost um, Alfio Contini, 92-year-old. An Italian cinematographer, Robert. He shot Zabriskie Point. And he uh, shot, I never saw Zabriskie Point. I didn't either, but I thought you had. Okay. No. Also, The Night Porter. Are you familiar with that? I uh, know of it, but I've never I seen it. I saw it. Sadomasochistic. It was good. He was the DP. We lost Stuart Gordon. I saw his name a lot. This guy was a 72-year-old American film director. He did a lot with the Reanimator movies. And he oh, also, Reanimator. Yes, yeah, he did those. He directed that, and he also wrote, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. How about <laughs> that? How about that? Anything to do with, with the physical changing. Isn't that funny? So he, he wrote, died? And he died. Yeah, he's dead. Aww. Yeah. You turned me on to this guy, Robert. You sent me a text a few days ago. Mark Bloom, a 69-year-old American actor. Being very yeah. honest with you, I didn't know who that was. But then when I looked at his pictures and I saw his credits and Crocodile Dundee, Mozart in the Jungle, Desperately Seeking Susan, and I want to say that he's our first actor 
to have died from COVID-19. That's the cause of death. So far. So far. How about that? How about that? Alicia Henkels was a wardrobe stylist for many films and commercials. I I think you knew her, Robert. Yeah, Alicia died. That's that's really unfortunate. Um, She had some... uh, Man, she had... She had cancer, and it was just uh, she didn't know she had cancer until the day before, and then she had a bacterial infection, and then they said they tried to give her some medicine, and uh, uh, she couldn't take it because uh, of the cancer, and then the next day she was dead. It's just really fast. Mm. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Life is precious. Precious. Mm. It is. 77-year-old Harlem Globetrotter Curly Neal. Now, a good friend of mine was saying, we've got to include him in the coroner's corner. Mm-hmm. He said, dig deep, you'll find out why. And sure enough, there was an animated Hanna-Barbera cartoon using his voice, but I thought, it's still not a feature. And then then I found the animated Globetrotters also made three appearances in the new Scooby-Doo movies. So they used his voice. <laughs> That's how I'm uh, justifying, including Curly O'Neill uh, in, the, in, the dead, in the coroner's corner. One more, the Corners Corner Spotlight Award yeah. goes to Olivia de Havilland. What? Yes. No. This is truly the golden golden age of cinema. She was in the original Gone with the Wind. and uh, Not the remake? <laughs> was there? No, there wasn't. No. She won two Oscars. <laughs> I thought for a second, I thought, wait a minute. Was she? In? Uh, she, uh, she was 103. She won two Oscars. And uh, her sister was Joan Fontaine. And she uh, had a strong relationship with Jimmy Stewart. And she and Errol Flynn and she stooped Howard Hughes. They had sex together. Not anymore. She's dead. We should try to remake Gone with the Wind. Da, 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 da. If we do it soon enough, maybe we can da, get Olivia de Havilland's corpse. Da, 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 da. Ira, you want to play a game? We have a game? We have a game. We have a game. Yes. Yeah, this game is called Over Under. Are you ready for it? Yes, this is a new game. This is a new game. Okay. Here's how it works. Producer Joey has uh, selected something that we have to guess. Is it over or under? And uh, we'll try to figure that out. So over or under what? Exactly. So each week it'll be something different. This this week, it's over under body counts. So how many people die in the movie? All right. So the first up is the movie Contagion. And is it over or under 14 million people? I'm not good at this. I'm not good with these numbers. You know that. This is like box office. I'm really yeah. bad at the at the BO game. All right. Well, so we just have to guess. Is yeah. it, it, how many people died in Contagion? Is it over yeah. or under 14 million? I, I'd like you to go first on this. I'm going to say over. You are? Yeah. Well, I'm taking a wild guess, but I'm going to I'm going to piggyback with my buddy and say over as well. Ah, and the answer is, oh, yes, it was over. It was 27 million people that die in that movie. So the score now is one to nothing. It's you and I against your wife. Yes. Okay. The movie 300. Did you see 300? Uh, It was animated, wasn't it? Uh, Kind of. Kind of, sort of. It was live action, but it had like a lot of stylization. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so the over-under is... 578. So did more than 578 people die in that movie or not? Well, we know the 300 died, right? So that's that's part of it. So now the question is, did they kill 278 other people? <laughs> well, I didn't see the movie, but if 300 people die, 
I would assume it would be 300 deaths. Therefore, the answer would be less than. It would be under. Why would the, the movie then well, should the be called three, five? The, the 300 is based on historical, I mean, legend or fact, depending on how you slice that yeah. egg roll. But the movie uh, should be called 528 instead of 300. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the 500 soldiers who fought and defended. Oh. So the soldiers are def- killing people ostensibly. I don't like this game. You go first. I want to hear what you say. I'm going to say the opposite of whatever Iris says. No, no, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to say over. I'm going to yeah. say the 300, I mean, wound up killing at least one guy per per death. I'm going to go over. What and do you think? Uh, this is not playing fair, but I know your wife, and I think she's going to have two overs in a row to try mm-hmm. to trick us. She won't mm-hmm. go over. She'll go over, over. So I'm mm-hmm. saying over. Mm-hmm. Guess what? We're both correct. The real answer yeah. is 600. Two to nothing. All right. I like this game. <laughs> now you do. <laughs> okay, you're going first on this next one. No, right? no, no, no. You can't do that. That's not part of our strategy, Robert. Die hard. Die hard. Over or under 17 deaths. Hmm. It's a good one, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was when you first said the title, I was going to say it's around 15. So coming mm-hmm. in at 17 is really going to be tight, I think. Um, yeah. Don't make me go first. Go first. No. Is there an explosion at the end? Does a bomb go off? There is an explosion. Yeah? Yeah. Does a lot of people die? No. Remember, it, that's at the, the top of the building. He gets everybody off the roof. Yeah. McLean is like, he, uh, they were going to kill everybody, and he gets them all to like, run down. Wait, is that the Christmas movie? <laughs> yes, it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> I'm on the fence on this one. I know you don't like it when I'm on the fence. Um, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to surprise you and say the opposite of what you're expecting. I'm going to say over. I am. Mm, I was going to say under. Should, should I switch with you? No, I'll stay. No, under. no, you stick. All right, go. Okay, and the real answer is over. It's 20 deaths. Yeah. Ira. Oh, yeah. I love this game. <laughs> now you love this I got three, three and oh. Let's go, baby. Play the okay. next one on me. Next up, Braveheart. Over or under 641 deaths. This is a lot of deaths. How are we supposed to count all these? All right, 641 deaths. See, wait, there's a problem here with this game because, okay, 641 deaths, I'm assuming on screen deaths, but we don't see, but we didn't see 27 million on screen deaths in contagion. So, but according to the film, even if it's not visible on the screen, how many people died? In the movie. Yeah, right. right. I mean, right. I'm sure that's, more that's than 600 people died in the yeah. battles. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh. Uh, I'm going to say on, Robert, under. Say over. I'm going to say under. Over. Come on, Robert. Join me. I'm on a roll uh, here. I'm going to stay I'm under. on a roll. And wow, Ira, the real answer is 1,297. You were right. Yeah. It's what do over. I have now? Is it four? Four and oh? Four in a row. Yeah. yeah. Woo! Okay, you ready for the next one? I'm whipping producer Joey's ass. <laughs> leave my wife's ass out of this. <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow, which is... I love that film. Live, die, repeat. Yeah. Over or under 432. There's a lot of battle scenes in that movie with those crazy-ass robots. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say under. Under. We've had a lot of overs. Again, I'm trying to read Joey's mind, and I think mm-hmm. it's time for an under... Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say under as well. We're both okay. saying less than. Go. We're both saying under. And the answer is 236. You got it right. Woo! I okay, think we wanna... should. No, I want to stop now. <laughs> 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 we 
What do I have? I'm at five and zero. Okay, I got one more for you. Come on, you know I'm gonna blow it. No, 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 no. Okay, okay, go. Same movie, lived I repeat. So here's here's the bonus. All right. Tom Cruise. Oh, how many times he dies? On screen deaths. Yes. How many times did he die on screen? And so that number is 47. Is Is it over or under 47 times that he died? On screen. Yeah, it's it's less than 47, isn't it? There's like a montage. I know there is. I know there is. I know there is. But I think 47 would get repetitious for the movie. I, I know there's a sequence where boom, boom, again, again, again. Remember all that? Yeah. But I, I think. I'm going to say under as well. Yeah, go with me. Come on. Let's high. make this baby work. We're going to go okay, unanimous. Yeah. I want to get them all. Go. The answer is 24. You got it right. <laughs> I love this game. <laughs> Woo. All right. That was a good game for this week. Yeah. Okay. You want to do some top five? Top five and hit it, Vern. It's time to give a listen, you little creeps, to our top five. Okay, our top five this week is top five Matt Damon movies. And you know, there's no definition. Although, actually, there is one. I There's one area where we need clarification. We have to define Matt Damon? No, 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 no. But we have to define his role. In other words, if he <clears throat> co-wrote a screenplay, is that a Matt Damon? Although wait, never mind. He's in he's that as in well. That movie never as well. mind. That, but that would be an interesting question. If he if wasn't he in, a no, movie or something? if he wasn't, if he wrote, if he co-wrote Goodwill Hunting, but wasn't in it, would that count as a Matt Damon movie? Well, why are you limiting it to writing? Why not produce it? I know. I, I mean, know. He's produced a bunch he could of have stuff. Been, he could have been the key grip. <laughs> he could be the assistant producer. He can get the coffee. He can be the focus puller. <laughs> He, he pulls my focus every time he's on screen. <laughs> okay. Um, I do think we're going to have about two or maybe even three overlaps. I do. I think we're only going to have one. Uh, really? Well, I know. Maybe two. Yeah. We have the obvious one. Maybe. Well, we'll see. Um, But I think, I think, I, I don't know. Uh, we got a couple. Uh, we'll see. All right. Let's uh, go. Who's going to go first? Gonna say is, no, I, I, I think the spirit of this is he's known as an actor. We should go with actor. I agree. Don't you think? Yeah. All right. Okay. All right, then a focus puller, key grip. Let me change my numbers here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go first. My number go. five is from 2010. Do you have a 2010 on let your list? Let me see. Let me see. Uh, I don't. Oh, 2010. He uh, starred in a, a remake of a John Wayne movie called I True love that movie. Grit. It's my scoop. It's a scoop. Go ahead. Yeah, talk. He's I really good in that movie. And. Uh, Jeff Bridges is awesome, incredible. That movie, the whole movie is just really, really good. And I would say way better than the original. Oh, uh, no comparison. The original no comparison. is okay. It was goofy. No, yeah. and he, they even gave John Wayne the Oscar for best actor because they knew he was going to die soon. Yeah, it was just kind of That's throwing true. him a bone, but it yeah. wasn't really like, even that great of a movie. But this movie is good. It's it's a really fantastic movie in it. Um, and Matt Damon is is at a, at his peak. He's really good here. Cohen Brothers directed it. And of mm-hmm. course, it's got one of our favorite cinematographers behind the camera. Deacon? Yeah. 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 Roger Deacon. He shot that movie. It was, yep. it was truly a gorgeous film. Yeah. It really not, was, yeah. Really nice, Robert. Really nice. I had that okay. as a scoop. I'm going to surprise you with my number five because it was not a starring role. Do you have anything down for 2013? You can also be a little bit critical because it was an HBO film. That's how it was released here. But your boy directed it. You Behind the Candelabra yes. is my number four. Is it really? Yeah, it is. That's my number five, 2013. And again, it was originally, it was shown here, I think initially as an HBO movie. And the fact that 
Matt Damon was not the car, but stars more of a co-star. Michael Douglas was great in that film, and yeah, and they both were. Stephen, it was really a, a good good film, and yeah. I put that down for my number five. Um, again, you're right. Soderbergh directed it. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's another one of the. I don't know. It's a great. It's a great film. Some incredible acting, and I think it's hard to play characters that are that over the top without being over the top in terms of your acting. And they both really pulled it off. They did. It, uh, it wasn't a Damon, cartoon. It could have yes. been a cartoon. It wasn't. Yes. And Michael Douglas, both of them. Yeah. They, they did yeah. a really nice job of yeah. playing the role without being campy. So really nice job on that movie. And uh, and you know why it was released on HBO? Uh, they made the movie and they shopped it around and everybody was too afraid. They were like, this right. is, there's no way this is going to get distribution and no one's going to go see this. No one wanted to touch it because it was too gay. And they finally found hbo as a home so that's how about that yeah that's they, why they it felt it wouldn't do well HBO. in theaters if it was released right. in theaters right nice that's my number four that's so you your, number, your four. number four so i'm on my number four which is yes. 2002 i had to include the born identity of all the born movies i decided to go with the first one mm-hmm. and it's he's He's very, very good in that film. He uh, is, yes. He, he Doug Lyman directed it, and again, man, he loses his uh, he loses his identity, and he's on a mission to find out his backstory and why is he so good at killing people anyway. So we eventually find that out. It's a solid, solid example of filmmaking. He's wonderful in it. Born mm-hmm. Identity, my number four. Great car chases in those, those yeah, movies. All yeah, of yeah, yeah. My number three is a movie that I just find. Oh wait, uh, yeah. I'm interrupting. Let's not forget about our game within the game. That is when I say the oh, movie, you're going to say the year. Well, it's going to be so, a lot easier because it's not even spread out over. I mean, it, it's well, spread out over there's the past a bit of a spread, years. but you're right. Okay. So I want to remember to do that for my remaining three. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, he's, he, I think his first movie was Mystic Pizza or something. That mm-hmm. was like 93. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, we're, we're going for like 25 years of most of his career. Right. Um, so he's not been around all that long when you really stop and think about it. I think 25 years years is i guess a long time never mind anyway what i was gonna say is uh we talked before about how great of an everyman he is and how he can really um he can really hold the attention of just not not being a great actor but just being a really good person on screen to watch and i think he embodies that and does such a fantastic job in 2015's the martian i could watch that movie over and over and over again and i have i find it uh, to be a great kind of background movie and a movie to pay attention to um it's got some great writing and it's really fun i love the martian i'll say this now spoiler alert that's my number one. Oh, okay all right all right good choice good choice mm-hmm. it's a hell of a movie the my number three Mm-hmm. Is uh is the adjustment bureau? I mm. spoke about this. Did you see it, Robert? I don't I think did. Yes, you did. Yes, I did. I did. And I, I want to say I that it's it. you. It's a goofy premise. It's it's yeah, it kind of absurd when you think about it. But he made it work. He made it work. And of course, let's not forget that uh, Emily Blunt is the co-star, and I have a crush on her. <laughs> That's why you liked it. I want to say again that this was based on a Philip K. Dick uh, short story. I've mentioned him before. Google uh, I, him. And look. It's it's Philip K. Cock. All right. <laughs> No, it's not. It's Dick. Dick. No, it's cock. Dick. <laughs> uh, Google that guy and look at all the incredible movies that were based on his short stories. And I think that, again, it's an everyman. He really makes it work. The Adjustment Bureau is my number three. Robert, what's the year? Uh, Adjustment Bureau, I'm going to say 2000. 
my first instinct was 2003, but that's way too early. Yeah, yeah. It was later than that. Yeah, yeah. It was, I'm going to say 2008. Nah, 2011. 11. Okay. Yeah, it was 2011. Okay, okay. Reasonably close. Okay. Three years off. Yeah. Really Usually you either get it on the year or you're one year off. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, from 1999... The Talented Mr. Ripley is yeah. my number two. Yeah. Have you seen The Talented Mr. Ripley? I don't remember. It's uh, <laughs> I hate, Robert, you keep it, forgetting. I hate movies. <laughs> it's definitely a movie that seems like homework. I will give people that. So if you even said, like, I don't remember if I saw it. It sounds familiar. It's one of those kind of movies. But if you really take the time, get yourself in the right mood for it, it's one of these movies that will stay with you. It's haunting um, if you watch it. So the premise is that he... Um, He's kind of a, a not a ne'er-do-well, but he's kind of a low-income guy who's been sent by a rich man to to befriend his son. His son and uh, this rich man's son, uh, Jude Law, is in um, Italy, just kind of spending all of his dad's money. And so he asks um, asks uh, Matt Damon's character to go over there. His name is Dickie Greenleaf. He goes over there to try to befriend uh, Jude Law and to try to bring him home, so he'll stop blowing all of dad's money. And when he does that, he kind of falls in love with Jude Law and his, uh, his wife or fiance, girlfriend, whatever, who was Gwyneth Paltrow. And they all kind of are palling around. And then they get into an argument and he kills um, uh, Tom Ripley. And then he winds up taking on Tom Ripley's persona. Tom Ripley was Jude Law's character. And he winds up kind of living as Tom Ripley. And it's a really kind of weird, almost kind of a whodunit, but you know who did it the entire time. There's no real mystery there, but some great performances by some of that era's best actors and really mm. turn out some uh, incredible, incredible performances. Philip Seymour Hoffman is in it. He does mm. a great job, too. Everybody's really good in that movie. Nice. Talented Mr. Ripley. Nice. Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett is a really good actress. In that. Yeah. yeah. Good. And my number two? Well, I know what it is. Yeah. Well, actually, you do because you know my number one is. Therefore, my number two is. You want to say it? 1997. Yeah. What? Oh. Maybe wait, not. wait. 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 1997. Oh. Then I know what movie you. Have. It's from ni- 2019. Yes. Well, I'm Ford curious. Ford v Ferrari. Well, of course. But what's 1997? What were you oh, thinking? Oh, go ahead. You do yours, and because mine, my number one is 1997. We'll find out in a minute. Wow. Okay. Obviously, 2009 Ford versus Ferrari. We've talked about it endlessly, and mm-hmm. I don't. We both more or less have gushed over it. I think it's real close to a perfect movie. I can say that for 2019, it was the most satisfying movie experience I had of sitting in a theater and just being swept away. Yeah, loved that's it. my that's my number two. Ford versus Ferrari. It was really hard for me to not put that movie in my top five. It was surprise. So many other movies. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. definitely one of my scoops. But my number one movie, and I felt like this movie would not have been the same if it weren't for Matt Damon, um, is number one from 1997, Goodwill Hunting. And he was really? just really incredible in that movie. I think if you go back and watch it, he he is an acting powerhouse. His yeah. scenes with uh, with Robin Williams, I mean, yeah. Yeah. he's he's right there slugging it out with Robin Williams acting-wise. And in a lot of ways, kind of stealing the scene from Robin Williams, who also is incredible in that movie. Yeah, um, Matt Damon, or sorry, Ben Affleck is actually good in that movie. Yeah. I yeah. mean, Casey he's actually, Affleck is good. actually good. Yeah, right. Yeah. So everyone just does an outstanding job. Many drivers on point. Everybody's great. The movie is is near perfect to me as well. So you know, I was, I'm surprised, but I'm pleased that you put that as your number one. Mm, yeah, yeah, I didn't I didn't expect that, but I but I get it. 
Yeah, and while I think um, you know Ford v Ferrari might be a better movie, although all these movies are really, really good. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's just been in a bunch of really good stuff. Yeah. I find him watchable. You know, I also want to mention in terms of scoops, there's a movie I almost put in my top five. It just missed out from 2004 Euro Trip. And the movie is not all that great, but Matt Damon has a cameo. <laughs> I think I mentioned it before. It's yeah, you have. How long is he on cameo. screen? How long? Uh, <laughs> he sings a song. That's all he does is he sings this song about how he's fucking yeah. Scotty's girlfriend and Scotty doesn't know that he's having sex with the Scotty girlfriend. Scotty doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. No, that's it. It's a great cameo. It's one of the best cameos I've ever seen. Anyway, what do you got? All right. Well, you know my number one is The Martian 2015. Ridley Scott, and that too was just a hell of a movie. And and he made it work. I, yeah. I can't imagine. He was just terrific in that film. Kristen Wiig was, I didn't, I forgot she was in that film. I, yeah, she didn't annoy I, me I in forgot. that movie. She she does annoy you. I know. Yeah, you said yeah, that before. Yeah, she kind of gets on my nerves sometimes. But who, who was not she? Because I did a little bit of, after I came up with my five. I did some research. And what part was she playing? Do you she remember? was. She worked with NASA, right? She mm. was like one of the NASA so people. Was, yeah, yeah. But um, it's just oh, wait. no. She wasn't. Yeah, okay. It was. It was the, the other chick that was the um, the redhead that was the captain that was trying. to Oh, I know your thing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Kristen Wiig was. She was working at NASA. She was down on Earth. I love The Martian. That's my number yeah. one. All good choices, huh? Yeah, these are great. Like you said, you can't come up with a bad a bad film. Hey, do you have any scoops? I mean, I could come up with a bad movie that he's been in, but I don't know that he that was he bad. He was bad, right, right. I, I don't know very many performances he turned in that are really bad. Gee, Robert, I'm surprised you didn't mention Saving Private Ryan. Kidding, just kidding. <laughs> On my scoops, I have Goodwill Hunting, Saving... I did write down Saving Private Ryan. The, the, the Ocean's you know, franchise. And uh, I have True Grit down as well. Yeah, and I mean, while I love the Ocean's movies, I think no, yeah. it, it's not his movie. He's playing, you know? It's not his movie, and he's kind of kind of playing himself. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. I, if you're going to play yourself, The Martian is the better way to play yourself. Like that, He's kind of playing himself there. But <laughs> Agreed. He's, Agreed. He's doing a much better job. Yes. So Agreed. might as well find something where he's he really, really good. He is playing himself in The Martian. I know what you're saying. Yep. But really, if you look at movies like Behind the Candelabra or The Talent of Mr. Ripley, you will see he's got some great acting chops. Yeah. So, any rate, yeah, nice. great actor. I'm glad that we uh, kind of dedicated this episode to his top five. Yeah. And there you go. Yeah, there we have it. <sighs> what do you want to do now? Um, hey, Robert. Another episode. What, yeah, what are we doing next week? <laughs> We don't next have week, planned, our movie do we? Next, yeah, we do. We do. No, we our, don't. Oh, wait, we you, do indeed. What was it? You said our, our, you don't know that we do, but we do. Oh, oh. is this is this an agreement by both of us, or is just a, a uh, unilateral decision at your end? It will be as soon as I say it. You, you think I'm going <laughs> to jump on board enthusiastically? Do you? I think you will. Uh, I don't I mean, know. You, you're not going to know this movie, but when I say it, you're going to go, "Oh, okay." So you're going to mention a movie I've never seen and I probably never heard of. That's it. I hate this. This movie is called Vivarium, and we're going to watch it, and we're going to talk about it next week. Uh, I assume it's streaming. It better be, because we're not allowed to go to theaters. Yep, it is streaming, so you can find it online. Vivarium with Jesse Eisenberg. Oh, I don't like him either. Yeah. I don't like him as a person or an actor, although I liked him a lot last year in that karate movie. Yeah, The Art of Self-Defense. I love that film. Otherwise known as That Karate Movie. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but she knew what I meant. I did. Yeah. All right. So we're going to watch Vivarium. We'll talk about that next week. Good. Good, good, good. Let's give uh, producer Joey a round of applause. Yeah. Good game, producer Joey. 
Yeah, but like that one. That was a nice one. Yeah. Uh, and as for us, you know what people can do if they what? What if they, they have some top fives that we missed, if we yeah. missed a, a Matt Damon movie that they want to mention, uh, they can they reach do? out to us. How? Well, they can email us, Ira. Where? Where? Our email addresses are robert at antiwadepodcast.com or... Oh, uh, and slash your Ira at antiwadepodcast.com. Or they can reach out to us through Twitter or Instagram. Our handle there is at antiwavepod. That's right. We're all over the place, aren't we, Robert? <laughs> Just like Matt Damon's career. <laughs> Stitcher, we're on, we're on Google Play. Just go like the viral Spot- disease. We're all yeah, over the like place. The disease. Go to Spotify. Go, go to Podbean. Go to our website. Throw us a few bucks over at Patreon. Help keep the sprocket holes moving. Ira. Yeah. Next week is Vivarium. It's been a lot of fun. Bavarian with a B or with a Bavarium. 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 Va. Oh, with a V. Like in victory. Exactly. Bavarium. 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 You just keep mumbling and doing a lot. Bavarium. Bavarium. Well, until then, you keep watching movies. I will help you sort them out. We should try to remake Gone with the Wind. <laughs> <laughs>